Do you feel like it's impossible to cut your debt in half? Are you feeling overwhelmed, stressed, and trapped by your student loan debt or don't even know where to start? We have the event for you. We have collaborated with Pre-PC Grind, Casey and Joseph to host the most epic event for SPTs and Pre-PTs to come together from around the world all in one place. We are bringing to you the Halfway to Debt-Free Virtual Summit. You can check it out at Halfway to Debt-Free. That's Halfway T-O debtfree.com. Use the code at checkout to get a massive discount on your ticket to the virtual event. We'll see you August 2nd, 2020 at 10 a.m. Eastern. Can't wait to see you all there. Welcome to Gratitude, the grad school guide for student physical therapists. I'm Gabby. And I'm Sarah, and we are two physical therapy students on our journey to get that DPT debt-free. And our vision for you is to get through PT school on your first try without any debt. Join us as we navigate through the insanity of physical therapy school together. Welcome to another episode of Gratitude, everyone. And for today, we are so excited to have our guest on today. And Claire is on the podcast. So thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited for this. We're excited to have you on here. And for the students who are listening, can we start with what got you into physical therapy in the first place? And then we can kind of go into like where you're at now in your PT journey. So I actually kind of got into PT a little bit of a different way than probably most people would imagine. I was born with a physical disability myself. My hip on the right side is a lot less stable than most people's and uh, my hand on the right side actually is used at the elbow and doesn't have three of the digits. Just has the thumb and the pinky finger. And growing up, I love to ride horses. And my surgeons at the time who were working with me, they were like, your range of motion in your hip is actually a lot better than it should be. You seem a lot more stable than most people who have the condition that you have. And so they couldn't attribute it to really many of the surgeries that they'd done. They said, what the surgeries we're doing is helping, obviously, but we think a lot of it's coming from your horseback riding. Uh, so keep that up. Uh, keep doing that. It'll help with strengthening and stretching and, you know, just getting that normal movement that we should see in a hip. And so I did, and I was talking with my horseback riding teacher at the time, and she said, you know, have you ever looked into hippotherapy, which is where they, you have physical therapists, occupational therapists, or speech therapists use horses in their treatment sessions? I was like, no, I've never even heard of this. What is this? And so she's like, you should look into it. And that was kind of how I stumbled into the field of physical therapy was my love of horses and just the experiences that I'd had growing up with uh, a physical disability. And I also had an awesome experience when I went to the school uh, that I ended up going to college at. I met with the professor there who was at the time running a hippotherapy clinic. And so I kind of got to talk with him and he just made me fall in love with the whole idea. 
And so that was kind of how I got into PT. It's kind of an odd way, but it works for me. <laughs> but it's amazing. And I, I think it is so unique. Like not many people go into it because they heard of hypotherapy before or, you know, that's usually not something people hear about. I'm going to be honest. Right. I didn't know about it until after I started PT school. <laughs> so, right. I still get asked. It's always the joke. I get asked, you're doing therapy on hippos? I'm like, no, <laughs> no. Hippo is the Greek word for horse. It's doing therapy on horses. So <laughs> I love that though. I'm so excited for you. And I'm sure you get this question all the time. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. So where are you now? Like what you're in PT school? Like what are you up to these days? So I actually technically have graduated. I didn't, we didn't get to do our ceremony in our hooding, but I technically graduated in May. So at this point I am studying for my board exam, which I'll take at the end of July and just kind of looking at prospective jobs and where I kind of want to end up. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at right now. <laughs> That's so exciting. It's happening so fast. Yes. Oh, nine to nothing right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing though. And during PT school, so how was, did you interview? Okay. I have so many questions and I know you and I have already talked about this, but did you yes. interview for your PT school? So we actually do not have an interview process. It is done completely blind. Um, and it's based just on like your GRE scores and your grades and undergrad and stuff like that. So completely blind. But I did know a lot of the professors beforehand. And I was lucky enough to be part of a program where if you kept a certain grade point average in undergrad and took certain classes that you could get a pre-acceptance into the PT school, you know, beforehand. So I was part of that. And that was kind of how I ended up at Arkansas State and in PT school there. So. Nice. And for all the students listening who are like, wait, so she does have a physical disability. Do you have to like put that on PT cast? How does that application work? How does it work in labs and PT school and clinicals? Like, how is that? That's a very broad question, but <laughs> we'll start there. It's fine. Uh, no, you don't have to put it on PT cast. Nowhere that I remember did I ever put that. Uh, the one place that I did have to put it in some form of documentation was they had like a form that you had to sign once you got into PT school that said like, I am physically capable of doing all of the parts of PT that would require, you know, lifting or hefting or, you know, anything like that. Um, and so I did actually end up when I saw that form, I went into the office, um, into the PT office, and I asked at the time the secretary, I was like, do I need to put on, like, do you think I would be able to do this? Obviously, I don't have two full hands, and, you know, I'm not sure whether this is a problem, and I ended up going, and she took me to one of the professors, and they looked at me, and they were like, don't see why you couldn't. You're going to have to adapt things, but we don't see why you shouldn't be able to do what you would need to do as a physical therapist. So yeah, go ahead, sign it, say that you're capable, and we'll figure it out when you get into school. So that was, that was where that happened. And I'll admit, like, there were points in PT school where I was like, are we sure this isn't a problem? I remember my first lab that we had, it was just clinical procedures and methods. 
And I had a professor who liked to, you know, throw things in the class that were probably a little bit ahead of where you were at just to get you excited for where you were headed. And so literally within our first two weeks, he was having us do joint mobilizations, but it was in the hand. And I remember sitting there in the lab with my partner trying to figure out how to hold their hand, do the mobilization, but not like hurt them. Because uh, I will admit my one, my right hand that has the deformity is definitely very bony. And I have to be really careful of how much pressure I put through and stuff like that. And I mean, I was just getting, I was just like frustrated. So I was like, I can't do this. I can't figure out how to do it and not potentially hurt the patient or make them uncomfortable. And so I just kind of let it be for a while and tried again, still couldn't figure it out and ended up that somebody told one of the professors that I was struggling with this. I hadn't said anything myself yet. And he actually called me at my house and he was like, why do you think that this is a problem? He's like, we're gonna figure this out and took me to the professor who was teaching the class. That professor was like, absolutely, we're gonna figure this out. He hooked me up with a couple of the third year students and one of the other professors. And he's like, this is your think tank now. So whenever you come into a class and you have something that you're like, I can't figure out how to do this. These are the people you can go to at any time and they'll help you think through it. So that was really helpful for me. Um, to just have that support system already in place. I didn't even have to think about it. It was just like, here you go. Here's your people. Here's your tribe. <laughs> Work with them. So that was really awesome. In terms of like clinicals, again, was never really a big deal. Uh, I never told my CIs in advance that I had a physical disability, not because I wanted to, you know, not tell them, but I just didn't feel like it was a necessary thing to be like, hey, yo, I have this issue. I kind of like to see how they would respond. And so most of them did not know in advance. And I remember I showed up on most days, the first day, and they would kind of look at me and go, all right, we'll, we'll roll with it. You know, we'll figure it out. And uh, I did have a couple that would be like, okay, how do you actually do this? My first clinical was in an acute care setting and we were working on, you know, helping get patients to stand up to a walker. And my CI put me on the left side of a patient, which puts my right hand on the gate belt, right? And I was like, this probably isn't the safest method for me to do this because if this patient fell, my right hand really can't, like I have no grasp. Um, so I wouldn't be able to stop them from falling. I said, maybe if I can switch sides. And so we just kind of worked through that process together. And one helped me to figure out how to do hip joint mobilizations. I'm kind of a small person. And on top of it, having one hand, I was like, how do I position myself best? And he kind of worked through that process with me to, you know, use my weight as an advantage, you know, by getting over the top more and changing my hand placement, uh, using a gate belt to get more of the distraction instead of using like my arms. So it's never really been a problem. That's really great. Like to know that even with your clinical instructors and, you know, classmates, like, adapting and saying, okay, we're going to 
make this work. And I think that's, that's awesome that you've been able, especially to like critically think because now just figuring out, okay, like how, how can I utilize my body or use a, a gait belt mm-hmm. to do a hip mob? And what right now has, whether it be a mobilization or any other type of like um, position that you still find like difficult to, to perform if there is one. I think for me, probably the one that I'm still honing the most is working with higher level neuro patients in terms of doing like sit to stands and making sure that I position myself where I can keep them up and safe for, you know, a longer period of time, especially if they happen to be a pusher. Um, that's, that was a fun story. <laughs> I was working with a, a patient who, hardcore pusher, and my CI and I had been working on, working on my mechanics to make sure that I was in a good position with him. And she was like, I wonder if we can get it to where you can, instead of being in front of him and trying to like help cue him to lean the direction you need him to lean, what if you actually shift yourself to his side that he's leaning towards and kind of help to push him that direction that you need him, you know, kind of shift your weight around. And I remember I got it, I got him up and I I shifted myself, but I must've shifted myself too far and my CI kept going, well, you know, push, push your, use your hip and kind of push into him a little bit more so that he'll, he'll go up where he needs to be. And I'm like, I can't, I'm not positioned quick. I'm not positioned well. It's not going to be a safe thing if I do that. And so I just shifted myself back around and we both, you know, he got back down on the mat where he needed to be. But that is still something that I definitely have to really think about in advance and like look at my patient and look at where they are functionally and be go, you know, do I need help with this one? You know, that's something I've, I've really had to think about and, and be okay with um, is there may be people that I work with that just because of not having, you know, both hands to work with, I may need to grab a tech or see if a PTA is available you know, just to be there to, to help with keeping things safe and working with patients who may be pushing more or may need a lot more assistance anyways. Thinking about, could I be safer in parallel bars doing this, even though, you know, I would prefer to do it without parallel bars, you know, just kind of thinking about what can I use, what resources do I have available to best get the patient what they need as well as be safe in the process. So that's definitely something that it took me a while to be like, it's okay. You know, that's not a big deal. That doesn't mean that I'm not any less of a PT. That doesn't mean that it's going to affect the patient. But that was definitely something that took me a while to be like, it's all good. And here you are, graduated in a (laughs) pandemic. (laughs) Yeah, what a time. (laughs) Yeah, studying for your boards. Like, it's just insane. (laughs) And for all of the patients that you have treated throughout your clinicals um, in grad school, like what have been some of the patient responses? Because we kind of talked about the CI responses and they have seemed to all like step up to the plate. They're like, okay, we got this. Like they are there to support you all the way because that is their job. But like, on the patient side, how has that been? 
It's been probably mixed. I'm going to say it's been mixed. Most patients, when I walk in the room, I don't usually get a response. Like they don't seem to have an issue with it. Most of the time, if they say anything, it's more like, your little body's going to catch me if I fall, which is probably one we've all heard at one point or another. You know, they just look at you, especially for us girls who are shorter or tinier, they just go, how's this going to work? Um, I have had a few that have kind of been like, are you sure you can actually do this? You know, like, can you really give me the same level of care? And most of the time it was just something that like, I see, I would sit down with them and just kind of have a conversation and with me in the room and we would just talk about it. But nine times out of 10, it was never a problem. You know, and that was something that sometimes it just took me like doing a session with them with the CI right there. And they would see, oh, well, she's doing all the same stuff that like my CI would like my normal therapist would do. So she seems to have it handled. My pediatric rotation was a little different just because kids tend to have a lot more questions um, or they're just really shy about it. So I kind of did my usual move with them of, and I've done this my whole life is I'll just be like, do you want to, you know, do you want to touch? Do you want to feel? Do you want to look? You know, you can ask me questions, you know, and typically they would just kind of feel and touch and ask questions. And then they would be like, okay, <laughs> you know, we're fine. It's all good. And we would go on back to playing or doing whatever activity it was we were doing. So I would say if anything, I probably had more kids that would be like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, and that's just curiosity. <laughs> I love that though. I think that's amazing. And I, I think it's an important topic to bring up, talk about, because like you and I had talked about back in Denver, back in February, <laughs> uh, yeah. is like there aren't many students who go through, and I liked what you said back then, called it a different ability. Mm -hmm. And because they simply stop themselves from even pursuing physical therapy because they think they're not able to. And I think you were great. You're a great testament to the fact that people are way more capable of what they think they are. And mm -hmm. uh, if only they took that chance on themselves. And so I'm really glad that we're here talking about it. And I think it's so cool that the kids like came up and they like wanted mm -hmm. to touch, you know, your hand and, you know, see how the elbow is and how you do things differently. Yeah. You know, I think that's one thing, like when you're talking about, yes, sometimes you run into things with, in the, like in our occupation itself, where you're just kind of like, okay, I have to come up with a different way. But in terms of differing abilities, one thing that I have found that actually works to my advantage is a lot of times, like, it's just given me a route of connection with certain patients, not everybody, um, but there are definitely certain patients that I've been able to be like, hey, I know where you've been because I've been there, or I've been in a similar situation, you know, and I know how hard this is, you know, especially if I'm working with somebody who is dealing with, you know, a lower extremity orthopedic situation you know I'm like hey I get it like I've been in a body cast or you know I've had to learn how to you know walk with crutches I've you know so I can kind of in that way I guess say you're gonna get there you know like we're gonna get there somehow some way we're gonna figure out how to make this work you know or you know something as simple as hey you don't have a hand there 
but you need to figure out how to pull your hair up. I know that's not a PT thing, that's kind of an OT thing, but I've even caught myself like showing kids or whatever, like, hey, this is how you can do this, or like, this is a different way to approach this. And I wouldn't have had that same perspective without growing up how I had with the disability. So that's kind of been a special gift, I think, that came out of that, is just that different way to connect with people. So. Yeah. Absolutely. And what do you even tell kids or anybody, I guess, but I'm just thinking of kids because they are always the curious ones. Mm -hmm. What do you explain to them if they're like, what happened? Or like, you know, why, why don't you have a normal, normal quote unquote, (laughs) uh, other hand? Mm -hmm. Uh, Most of the time I just say, you know, I'll just explain like, Hey, I was born this way. And for me, I'm, you know, I was just born this way. It's just a little bit different, you know, kind of like, I have a different color of hair than you, or, you know, I'm a different size than you. And most of them will be fine with that explanation, that they'll just be like, oh, okay, you were born that way. But beyond that, they're usually fine with that answer, so. One question I was going to ask, so um, incorporating hippotherapy, do you see yourself having your own clinic or where, you know, where do you see yourself, especially now that you're about to take your boards and graduate? I think I've definitely, I've definitely dreamed about a clinic of my own. Um, I actually, at one point, had sketched out how I would want the clinic set up um, with a hippotherapy barn included, but that's probably a long way off. So I think for now, probably where I'm headed, I would love to look into inpatient rehab uh, just because I enjoy working with that population, but I've also would love to get involved with a clinic that did hippotherapy. The only downside is, is most hippotherapy clinics work with kids, um, pediatrics, at least here in Arkansas. Uh, I don't actually know one off the top of my head that does adult rehab with hippotherapy. And I learned very quickly on my pediatric rotation that that wasn't the population for me. I kind of prefer working with adults more. And so, if I could find a place that I could do adult hippotherapy, I would absolutely 100% look into that because that's kind of where I started. You know, that was kind of the dream when I started was getting involved with hippotherapy, working with horses, working with people on horses. It's still kind of all in, I'm not going to say dream world because it's not completely a dream, but it's all in the thought process of like, where is this going? What is this timeline? Um, but I've definitely dreamed of having my own clinic or being involved with a private practice that really looks at, you know, working with horses and people. That would be so cool. And I think it's so cool that you guys have it like down in Arkansas and your school is so involved in it. Now I'm going to, I'm going to be honest. I'm a little jealous. I'm just, I've never even been on a horse since I was like 10. Guys, I know it's sad. I'm going to go, I'm going to go. Okay. As soon as we're allowed to, you know, do normal things again, uh, it'll happen. You need to do that. Mm -hmm. Horses are wonderful therapy, whether you need physical therapy or just time to get away and just be. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like it, to be honest. And for you, so for horseback riding, like how much are you doing it for yourself still? And how was, so you kind of saw the benefits when you were younger with like your hip Mm -hmm. range of motion and stuff but are you still doing it? And what kind of benefits do you see with it for all the noobs out there like me who are like (laughs) never been on a horse or really thought of hippotherapy before? So in the past three years since I've been in PT school, the only time I've really gotten to be on a horse was 
We do have the hippotherapy clinic at Arkansas State, and we do periodically have the students ride just because then you can feel how the horse moves and you can kind of see like what benefits you would get depending on what you were working on um, and what you were having the horse do. Um, so I haven't gotten to be on a horse for a while, but before in undergrad, I spent a lot of time on horses. Uh, they do have horses obviously up at the school and they had classes. So you could actually go and take a horseback riding class uh, just for fun and get credit for it. So I did do that all through undergrad. And since I have stopped participating in any sort of horseback riding, I have noticed like my hip has definitely gotten stiffer. I've noticed a change in like, I feel pain a little bit more often with it, you know, just from like sleeping on it wrong or, you know, maybe I walked more, did more activity that kind of irritated it. And so I actually have noticed a difference since I have stopped riding. And that really has only been a major change in what I do, because I mean, I'm still sitting in a desk just like I was in undergrad and stuff like that. So that's definitely been something that I've missed. I'm really excited for you. Like, I'm so excited. And I have so many questions. <laughs> I have one other that I should have asked earlier um, because it's kind of unrelated. But for the students who are about to start PT school or they're in it right now, and maybe they also have a different ability, you know, mm -hmm. not everybody has the same ability with their hands or even the same amount of fingers. With, mm -hmm. you know joints that are mobile so what what would you tell okay two pieces of advice one to that student who has the different ability mm -hmm. who's about to start PT school and one to all of the classmates of that student so I think to the student I'm gonna say find your tribe find your group of people that are willing to think outside the box with you, whether that is professors or classmates or your CI, uh, there's almost always going to be somebody. I mean, our whole field is surrounded by, you know, we're having to think outside the box anyways. How can I work with this patient to get this to work? How do I work with this patient to get this? We're almost all willing to think outside the box. So find those people who you really connect with and get them on your team. Be like, hey, this is what I'm struggling with. Do you mind taking some time and just letting me practice more or letting me try something different to see if it works and feels the same to you? I know that was something that really helped me was just having my two or three people that I could go to and try a skill and say, does this feel the same as when Professor so-and-so, you know, did it or when your other partner did it? You know, because a lot of our, our field is, you know, based on feel. You know, does it feel the same? Does it feel like it's getting the same area uh, to move or mobilize? So that would probably be my advice is just finding your tribe. In terms of classmates, be willing to think outside the box. You know, be open, be willing to offer a little extra time. You know, be patient, I guess. Sometimes it can be, you know, you're kind of like, okay, I've gotten it. Like, can we move on? But be willing to just kind of take some time with that person, you know, but obviously let them at the same time. Sometimes they need to come to you first, you know, sometimes people aren't quite willing to, I guess you could say, take charity per se. I can't think of a different word for it, but just be available to where if they do need the help and they're wanting it and they're asking for it, be willing would probably be my advice. That is great advice. And 
I think the biggest thing, kind of the common theme is thinking outside the box and mm -hmm. really just challenging yourself um, and really your growth of like going from first year of learning all of these, you know, learning the mobilizations and the basic mm -hmm. skills to now um, your third year where you're able to apply like outside the box thinking and coming across a patient, which uh, most of us, I mean, all of us will like of thinking, you know, whether it be body mechanics or how mm -hmm. do I like, if we're, if it's like us, then just figuring out ways of how to think about the problem to find a solution. I think that's such a huge thing. Ditto. <laughs> and I think that uh, the other big question that I had that I was thinking of, because we talked about so much at CSM and I just wanted to expand on it here because yeah. there are so many students, like I said, who never want to talk about it. They don't even think this is possible. There's so many barriers they've put in front of themselves and they really don't need to. So how was first semester of PT school? What was your favorite part? And what was maybe like the most challenging part or the biggest barrier yet that you overcame? Oh gosh, first year is just a roller coaster. Uh, I mean, regardless of who you are, first year is a roller coaster because you're adapting to so much and trying to take in so much material. I think probably my favorite part of first year was actually our MS1 class. It was where we were working with upper and lower extremity, any condition, any technique that you needed to use, any intervention. And I think that was probably my favorite experience just because it was where I really had to think outside the box and you know, be willing to take the extra time to really figure out how do I do you know, this mobilization? How do I do this correction? It was like a puzzle to me. And so I think that was probably my favorite. And I, I was lucky to have so many people around me who were willing to go through that process with me. Probably the worst experience or the part that was definitely the roughest was that clinical procedures class. And it had nothing to do, the class was amazing, the teacher was amazing, but that was probably the class that made me doubt myself the most just because it was that first semester and I was trying to figure so many things out and like I told you, I definitely had that moment where I was like, I don't think I can do this. You know, that was definitely the point where I was like, did I make a mistake choosing physical therapy? And having those professors reach out and say, no, you can. You know, they said, we know other therapists who have different abilities, who have different disabilities you know, where they've adapted and they're able to do this. You know, maybe they find people to help them with some of the interventions, but they're really amazing at diagnosis, just hitting on their strengths and figuring out what are your strengths and weaknesses? Like, let's figure this out. Let's figure out what works for you um, and what you need to work on. So that was probably the, the low point, but it was also, it ended, it ended well. And like we all know, physical therapy is not just manual, hands-on, let's be no. honest. <laughs> Definitely not. So much more to it. And if everyone would give up on PT simply because the manual was hard, there would be a lot less PTs in the world. And uh, <laughs> I am just blown away by you. And I'm so amazed and inspired and 
at everything that you have done and not given up. I'm so glad you didn't give up. Were you actually considering like dropping? Was there a moment you were like, should I drop out? Yes, there, there definitely was. And that was when that one professor actually called me at my house, you know, didn't stop me at school, called me at my house, took time and was like, oh no. Uh, and it was cool because it was actually the same professor who I had originally met from the program when I applied to PT school. So he and I had actually developed a relationship while I was an undergrad and he was like, oh no, I've gotten you this far. We're not stopping now. <laughs> Thank goodness you did not stop. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely have those faculty members in your corner because they're going to support you and be there for you no matter what. And not, you know, outside of PT school too. So um, that's amazing. And I love, I love that so much. And for all the students listening who are like, where can I reach out to this Claire person? Because I want to ask all these questions and I want to chat with her. What is the best place for them to reach out to you? Probably one of the best places to reach out to me. I am on Facebook. And so you can reach out to me. I just have it as my name, Claire Doss. So that's a good way. You can also reach me by my email. It is C-L-A-D-O-S-S at gmail.com. And I check that regularly. So if you want to reach out there and just shoot me an email, ask any questions, um, we can set up a time and talk and chat. I'm more than happy to do that with whomever needs it. So Awesome. Well, we appreciate you so much, Claire. And thank you so much for coming on. And uh, we know students will definitely be reaching out to you. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Gratitude, the grad school guide for student physical therapists. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our Instagram and Facebook page linked in the description. Looking for a gift for a friend, classmate, professor, co-host of a podcast, or really anyone? Physio Memes got your back with apparel, drinkware, and home decor. And if you go to physiomemes.com, you can get a 20% off coupon with the code gratitude, spelled G-R-A-D-I-T-U-D-E-2020. And don't forget to check out his social media for a good study break laugh. As always, make life humorous.